Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan. I'm not yet a published author, but I'm joined by the published author, Jane Hilston. That never gets old, Jane. <laughs> it doesn't get old. And, and I love how you say you're not yet a published author. I can't yet. wait for your book to come out. Yeah, well, now it's my turn. You had a go. So <laughs> I've got to get my act together. Yes, I can give you all the learnings. And yes, yeah, I will be hoping and expecting that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been, Jane? The week has been um, really, really hectic. Thank you. <laughs> How's your week been? Yeah, good. Um, I've got this lurgy that I had when we spoke two weeks ago and I got um, some antibiotics and got completely better and was feeling on top of the world. And then like three days after that, it came back. Oh. So I had to go back to the doctor yesterday to get more. Drink. Is it influenza or is it something else? Altogether? I'm not telling myself it's that. Oh, um, it lots of people be. have that. But yeah. I, I don't think it's as harsh as that. Right. Um, but it's very, um, it's very annoying because it's all about my voice and I didn't realise how much I use my voice to scream at my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and just in general. So like... Oh. Maybe that's why it came back. Maybe they re-injected you. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they came and coughed deliberately on you. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, when we're sick. <laughs> I realise how many times I have to ask people to pick up their socks or oh. to put their plate in the sink. And yeah. when, you, when it hurts to say it, mm. it's like torture. I yes. get to the, I've been getting to the end of the day and just going, you know what, 7.40, that's, that's, bed. that's yeah. bedtime. Yeah. Good night, well, world. When, especially, when, well, yeah, that's usually my bedtime. Um, but you, not when the bachelor's on. But um, I, I love a, I love <laughs> an eight o'clock bedtime, especially over multi levels when you're yelling. Like I'm downstairs cooking often in my mm. household, and I have to, you know, yell upstairs. Henry, Alice, dinner. <laughs> I'm just I'm exactly so how it sounds. That you know the neighbours must just think he's that he goes that fishwife again. But I, I I can see I can feel your frustrations because if, hang on, what's the fishwife reference? The fi- like me yelling like a fishwife. Wah! <laughs> I've never heard that. that. No. Oh yeah, like a fishwife shouting. Yep. So I'm yeah. sure that that's what they feel. But yes, I can I can feel your pain if I had to actually walk up the stairs to get them instead of shouting yeah that would be annoying yes absolutely <laughs> i um i live on a main drag so lots of people say all the time oh i see you getting in the car in the morning or getting out of the car in the afternoon and that's not my best time like <laughs> that's my worst self get trying oh, to get the three kids in the car and trying to get the three kids out of the car every day it's uh, like hell and yeah. so i'm like oh you do you see that <laughs> And all the conversations we have at that time. Conversations is an interesting word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've got um, Patrick here next to me because we are recording early in the morning and he has decided that 5am um, is a good time to be mm. risen. Sure. And so he's hanging out, the dog's hanging out. So apologies for any interruptions. But today we're talking about how to do marketing, a comprehensive guide to small business written by none other than the beautiful Jane Hilston. Super excited to talk about the takeaways in this book because, of course, I devoured it very quickly because it is very, very readable, very, very actionable. And I loved every second of it. Do you have your copy in front of you, Jane? Do you have a yeah. copy, just like a one yeah. copy yeah. that yeah. it's your copy? And do you know, I, um, I refer to it all the time. So I'm constantly 
um, you know, obviously writing plans and I'm doing a lot of um, presentations at the moment, running a lot of like how to do marketing workshops. So I actually have a copy that sits by my side as I work so I can reference it. Hang on, Jane, we, we broke up. Um, can you go back to I, I reference it all the time? Um, yes, I do. I reference it all the time. So I'm doing a lot of um, presentations and workshops on, at the moment off the back of the book, you know, about how to do marketing. Um, so I actually have my book to sit there and, and reference, even just for marketing plans or if I'm, um, yeah, just need to reference some of the, the copy that I've written in it. Um, so I do, I have, uh, have and you know, I've fallen into the habit of actually taking it in my briefcase with me. I attended a video workshop the other day and I stood up and introduced myself and I whipped out my copy of the book and said, oh, nice. know, I'm Jane Hilton and I'm this, and I've just written a book. <laughs> I know it feels so foreign and it really feels quite awkward, but I just keep thinking you've written the book. You got to leverage it. <laughs> you know, absolutely. People- People won't know about it unless you tell them. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. So I wanted to start um, in chapter two because you, you, put, you devoted a whole chapter to the idea of you can't expect your marketing to do yes. all of the work for you, which I thought was really interesting. And, and you, you penned it, don't expect the marketing to do all the heavy lifting. And mm. this really made me sit up and take notice because a lot of the time I'm responsible for the marketing in my business mm. and I... I isolate that. So I go, okay, mm. that's marketing. That's a Facebook ad or that's an ad on radio or whatever it is that I'm doing in terms of my marketing. And I kind of go, okay, well, I'll concentrate on this. But this chapter was all about making sure that um, you don't concentrate all of your attention on your marketing because there's no use marketing something if it's not any good. So thinking <laughs> about your customer service, thinking about what your customer's journey is and what how they're going to develop along that journey um, so that you can get them from, you know, knowing and liking and trusting you through to paying for your product or service mm. about your operations and how well your processes are in your business, what you've got working behind the scenes to ensure yeah. that each customer experience is, you know, the same. Of course, yeah. whenever people talk about processes, they talk about McDonald's and how you can get a cheeseburger in Belgium and America and Port Macquarie and they're always going to be, the same but what yeah. processes do you have in your business to make sure that that is going to happen in your business consistently yeah. um so i thought that was really interesting yes yeah so um there's a couple of aspects to this so um yes if you're going out with your marketing and you have you know say for example employed a fabulous marketing consultant such as myself who goes to every length to create a brand, a brand promise, um, excitement, inspire the customer and really um, encourage people with the marketing to come to your business. That's effective marketing and that will actually get them to your door. However, if they get to the door of your business and their customer experience, let's call it, is suboptimal or it doesn't live up to the brand promise that your marketing has been out there espousing, you have wasted every marketing dollar that you have just spent because that customer has been inspired and excited by your marketing. You've convinced them to come and buy from you, yet when they have come to buy from you, if they've had an experience that has um, 
disappointed them, then, you know, that there was absolutely no point in, in spending that marketing and getting them to come and, and buy from you. Because what happens with a customer experience, when your customer experience is, is a negative one, not only do you feel incredibly let down and disappointed, but you're also going to go and probably then tell your friends about it. You know, I thought it was going to be this and it was this and I was disappointed. Don't go there. Never go back because you've built somebody's expectations up and then you've let them down. So the, I guess the point of this chapter is, is just to say, okay, if you are going to invest in marketing, make sure that when people actually do start coming to your business, that you actually give them an excellent experience, that, that the people in your business that, that are your front line, whether that be your receptionist, whether that be your, you know, your lawyers, your financial planners, you know, whoever's within your organisation that has a customer-facing role, make sure that they are on top of the brand and what you've been promising so that when the customer gets there or the client gets there, they, they actually experience what you've said that they're going to. That's one thing. But the other element of that is that, and this is why I've termed it, don't let, you know, don't think that marketing is going to do all the heavy lifting because marketing will get people to your door. There's, there's a lot that marketing can do, but you as a business owner or your team in your business ultimately needs to do some of the heavy lifting in terms of business development. So a really classic example of that is in professional services. So whilst marketing can get out there and raise awareness of an organisation and it can get people excited, et cetera, et cetera, as, as I was talking about, um, there is an element where whilst all of that activity is in market, it makes sense for, pe for people on the ground to actually be doing some business development and to be doing some sales. So if people are calling up, make sure that people are actually equipped in the art of you know, converting them from a lead, what we call a lead. So when someone calls in and says, yeah, hi, I'd like to find out more about your accounting services or I'd like to find out more about your dance school. What classes have you got? Make sure that that person is equipped to be able to really seal that deal because the marketing's got them there. It's got them picking up the phone and calling. But if the person on the other end can't actually close that deal, then again, you're paying a lot of money to get people to that point but then unfortunately you're losing them because that person can't, you know, sell essentially. And if you're in a small town, you really only get one chance at a good first impression, don't you? You really do. Your customer comes in and has a bad experience, goes to the barbecue and tells 10 people. What's that saying about if you have a good experience, you'll tell one person, if you have a bad one, you'll tell seven or something? Yeah, and then introduce social media and amplify that by like 100. <laughs> oh, so so bad, absolutely. You know, everyone's seen the rants on mm -hmm. Facebook, haven't they? You know, when yep. someone gets on and has a really disappointing experience with a brand and instead of just telling the seven people at a barbecue, they're now telling 700 of their Facebook friends. Yep. And side note, we'll come back to the book in a second because I want to talk about the power of word of mouth, which was your, your chapter 11. But <laughs> uh, bad word of mouth, Facebook rants. Mm. Did you see, we had Alistair Flower from Settlers Inn on the podcast 
ages and ages ago. ago. It would have been two yeah. years ago. Um, and he was talking about, you know, brand and, and his brand and how that's so important to him. Somebody had a bad experience eating at one of his hotels a couple of weeks ago and just went off on Facebook about it. And it was, you know, all the comments and all the it, – it, for a Thursday night or a Tuesday night or whatever it was, it was, you know, the hot topic. And then <laughs> – a couple of days ago, I saw the same person repost um, on the same page that they were ranting on before, just raving about the second experience they had. Wow! Um, at, because they um, let me let me make sure I get this right. The the publican recognised the person in person when they came in, so they booked a table but didn't leave you know any details or any clues but the person who had the bad experience because of course um i guess al went out of his way to make sure that they um after he saw the rant that they you know felt like addressed it back in and yeah it was addressed they came back in uh the publican recognized them straight up went over to them again apologized for the the previous experience um you know said this dinner will be on the house have whatever you like wow i'd love your feedback kept in touch with them as the meal went um they're raving on facebook because not only was the meal fantastic second time round, but yeah. they'd addressed all their concerns yeah they felt special because they'd been recognized um yeah and then this this second rant which was a positive rant on facebook then created you know a whole lot uh, a whole other big stir um on facebook amongst that community because um it was a really good feel good um, yes. you've made this right story. Yes. Um, and I was just so chuffed. Like when I saw that, I was just so impressed because yes. a lot as a business owner, there's those opportunities where um, you're embarrassed. And I, I guess Alistair would have yeah. been quite embarrassed by the, the original big rant that was up there because it, it wasn't glowing. Um, but instead of shying away from it and going, oh, well, that's just one person that we, yeah, you know, we'll take the others that come, that come in the door. He went out of his way to make sure that um, that was the, fixed and that the person felt um, like they were heard. And then, the you know, it was the best-case scenario in the end when they over-delivered and um, the customer was completely stoked and now raving about it to everybody on Facebook and, of course, all their friends at the barbecue too. And I'm sure they will be regular returning customers too so it's a win oh yeah yeah and that that's an absolutely perfect example of you know the synchronicity that that should absolutely be there between and the recognition um that this is all part of an ecosystem you know it's not your marketing doesn't just operate in isolation your reviews don't just operate over here and your customer experience in a completely different silo so, you know, he, again, you know, um, Alistair is really, really prolific in his, his marketing branding. He's encouraged and enticed this person to come along. They've had that bad experience, but he has used, you know, he has then been able to um, address that, bring them back in and then use another, you know, form of marketing by inspiring that word of mouth to actually inspire more trust and, and good feelings. So they're, they're all, it's all very synchronised. It's all a very synchronised process um, and a terrific example of how customer experience can really affect your marketing. And so it's a big consideration for businesses. And you talk as well in the book about the power of word of mouth and the importance of, you know, that surprise and delight for your customers. Um, you also talk about 
the centres of influence. And this was something I hadn't really heard. I, I guess I'd heard about the concept, but I hadn't heard it put in that kind of structure. Um, in terms of that word of mouth, can you talk to our talk to our listeners about the importance of those centres of influence and how they can possibly think about who identifying those centres of influence in their in their world? Mm, yes, no, I can. Um, yes, because this is a really, really powerful one. So centres of influence are typically people or organisations who also serve or who also work with um, the customers and the target audience that you seek to serve. So a really, really easy example of this and one that I use all the time and, and um, I do have a financial um, planning organisation as a, as a client um, and, and their centre of influence, for example, are accountants. Um, so if you think about the process of, of a person um, who is getting financial advice from their accountant for, you know, various accounting-related services, if they get to a point where they actually earning, they're, they're earning enough wealth or their business is earning enough profit where they actually go get to a stage where they need services beyond accounting, so they actually need, start moving into the, they, they need financial advice. So the most obvious person that they're going to ask for advice for, for who to, to um, access this level of service from is their accountant. Um, so their accountant then has, I guess, the power to be able to say, yep, we, we think that you should actually go and see a financial advisor for this. Here's the ones that we would recommend. So accounting firms are a perfect source or a centre of influence for referrals for financial advisors. Another example would be pharmacies. So pharmacies obviously sell a whole bunch of stuff, but the main thing that they sell is medicine. Who do people go to before they actually get to the pharmacy to fulfil the script? Generally, the, the, the GP, doctors. the doctor. Yep. Now, there would be legislation in place for sure that I would imagine that would prohibit, you know, um, pharmacists and pharmacies working directly with, with doctors to, to um, I guess, stitch up deals or whatever. But in a local town... If a pharmacy is demonstrating to GPs that they are, you know, patient-centric, that they can provide a convenient service, that they, that they look after the patients and make sure that the patient's needs are always um, met in a, in, in the first, uh, as a first priority, the, G, the GPs will get to know this. And if, if, you know, if patients are asking GPs, for example, well, you know, where should I go to go and get this medicine or who should I go to go and see? Or they might not even ask. You know, it might just be the case where a GP goes, do you know what, you, this medication is going to need to be closely monitored or, you're, you know, you'll need to make sure that this medicine isn't in conflict with, you know, this medicine or, or whatever. Go and see such and such pharmacy because I know their pharmacist is really, really um, uh, concerned about making sure that the people don't mix their medicines or they have these processes in place, or they do home delivery, you know, if they're talking to a, to a doctor, uh, sorry, if they're talking to an elderly patient. So it makes sense that pharmacists or pharmacies, um, you know, ensure that GPs know what makes them different, different. And whilst it might not be a direct relationship or a partnership, if the GPs are influenced and influencing their patients to go and see a certain pharmacy, then they are a centre of influence. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just had never really thought about it in terms of, of, of my business before. And so I really, really loved that, um, that chapter. I also liked Jane that the book didn't just say you have to do Facebook and Facebook is the only thing you can do. So I really love that your book kind of touched on lots of different types of media. There's a section on Facebook, there's a section on print ads, there's a section on videos, there's, um, you know, it's a full, there's a full scope of, of everything that you can possibly reach out with great um, examples of well of where things have worked the best. Um, and I like to see radio in there too, which is nice, <laughs> um, my old stomping ground. So tell me, you had to write about uh, obviously an extensive range of different forms of marketing and you obviously know lots about all of them. What's your favourite? Oh, what's my favourite channel? Yeah. The one that works. Uh (laughs) Aha. Perfect answer. The the reason why I include all of that um, marketing activity is because every business is different and every business's customer is different. So before choosing any channel to work with or before choosing any content to um, focus on, you have to understand what channel and what content is going to achieve a result. And this is why, and and this is why the book starts with taking people through the strategic considerations. And that's not, you know, um, it is high level strategy and, and high level considerations, but it's not complicated. It's really simple. Like, what is it that your business is trying to do? What, where, where do you want your business to be in the next 12 months, in the next five years, in the next 10 years? Because our marketing fundamentally has to plug into those objectives. Because when we get to the measurement side of things, we need to be able to measure our activity against something. So if we don't actually know what we set out to achieve, we actually don't know what we're, we're, we're trying to measure. And that's no, one of the biggest frustrations. That's right. It's one of the biggest frustrations, for, particularly for small business, but, but even for big business. Oh, we just don't know whether our marketing's working. The best way to, to figure that out is to, both, is to understand, well, what is it that we're trying to do? And then how can we measure our success? The other key um, consideration is, is who is it that you're actually trying to talk to? So if your primary target audience is people, you know, over the age of 65, females, just retired, love, you know, can't wait to start travelling the world, then there are going to be particular channels and particular messages that you will need to address that market. So that might not be Facebook, you know, particularly if, if they're 65 or 70. Now, Having said that, if you actually look to see how many people over the age of 65 are on Facebook, it's quite prolific. It's a lot more than you would expect. However, you know, radio, for example, would probably be a more effective way to attract their attention. Mm-hmm. They've so, got the wireless on in the morning. Got the wireless on in the morning. They might, <laughs> you know, they really do listen to, to the radio um, or there might be a local publication, a local print publication that they read regularly because it's Um, free and it arrives on their doorstep and they like they've got a bit of they've got a bit of extra time to actually be able to look through the local media they like to know what's going on Mm -hmm. it could be the fact that you decide to do a direct mail campaign and um, speak to people in certain areas of of a region so 
not, you know, just because Facebook is a tool and it can be cost effective, it doesn't mean that that's going to be the right solution for your business, which is why we look at that strategy and who your customer is before we actually make that channel selection. Personally, I love working with social media purely from the relationship building side of things. So I just love that, you know, unlike print and radio where you can only push your message out, on social media, you can it's a push-pull relationship. So you're actually pushing out a, a conversation starter or you're pushing out a promotion or you're pushing out um, a video, um, a message, whatever that might be. But you've also got this fantastic platform where people can respond directly to you and you can engage in that conversation. So you've just, you know, deepened that relationship. The other thing I love about social media is that I have this like marketing ecosystem that, that I work with, which is all about having enough of the right activity and messages in play at the one time to achieve an objective. So, so for example, you will often need marketing activity that is all about just creating awareness, telling people about your business, because as we all know, people don't know about you, they can't buy from you. So, mm -hmm. so there's a whole heap of stuff that we actually need to have in market that's telling enough people about your business so that we can filter them through our funnel, our marketing funnel, and they can spit out the other end in a sale. <laughs> You've converted them to a sale. But also in that ecosystem, we need activity that um, uh, engages, further engages with people. So they're aware of your business, but now they need to engage with your business so that they can form that know, like, trust, um, and they can start to understand more about what you do and what makes you different. And then we also need activity in there that builds trust and um, inspires trust and inspires confidence that, that people, if they buy from you, they're not going to regret that. And then we need activity that essentially drives that sale or converts that lead to that, to that sale. And then on the other end, so then they purchase and they, they're down at the bottom of the funnel. And then from the other end, we need activity that, that inspires a second purchase and a third purchase and repeat purchase and also also inspires them to do ex exactly what these other people did um, in the example with Alistair Flower is um, we need to inspire them to actually spread great word of mouth um, for, for our business. So there's marketing activity that supports all of that um, and it kind of, we need to consider all of that to be in play at once. The other thing we need to consider is we need stuff that builds brand um, because if we want to build a sustainable business and future-proof our business from competitors um, and build a business that we can ultimately sale, sell, sorry, branding is essential to that. So if our marketing is only just focusing on driving sales and volume, we neglect building a brand and if we don't have a brand, then what we, are we selling? have us our revenue to sell. Yeah. And then don't you see it so often, especially in small business and small towns, people purchase a business, purchase all of that brand, purchase all of that hard work, and then slap a new sign out the front and completely change yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. Just go, what? I, well, I often think, why didn't you just buy all the equipment and a new space? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. They've, they've completely um, neglected all the goodwill or haven't valued it, you know, haven't valued the, the goodwill and the, and the brand that that business has built. But then, you know, has that business 
unsold or, or, you know, I guess communicated the value of, of that brand and the goodwill and the sentiment that it had built over, over the years? Maybe not. Yeah, missed opportunity there. Mm. So that's why, that's why, that's why, and, and what I was going to say about why I love social media is because of that marketing ecosystem, social media can actually tick a lot of those boxes. You can use it to build awareness. You can use it to build engagement. You can use it to convert leads from sales. You can use it to inspire customer reviews. You can drive sales straight to your website. Like it just, it, it does tick all of those activities. You've got to use it slightly differently to achieve each objective, but it does actually tick all of them, which is why it's a more versatile media probably sometimes. But again, if you're target audience and not on social media, then we can't use it just because it's an effective tool. Yeah. If people aren't there, well, we, we won't use it. Go, go where the people are. That's right. I love it, Jane. The book was just so easy to read, so many um, bits that I highlighted and dog-eared and just loved. And as I said uh, last episode, I was really lucky, you were really lucky that I was on a plane when I read it <laughs> because... Otherwise, I would have been texting you going, oh, my gosh, this, oh, my gosh, that. So um, I was in flight mode the entire time and so you just got a, one big message at the end of the flight. <laughs> I love it. No, I just love that you were so engaged with it and I love that feedback. So that's good. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Is there anything about the book that I have um, not picked up as a takeaway that you wanted to jump in and mention? Um, the only other thing I would mention is that, uh, you know, I'm, I spoke about it before, the importance of measurement. Um, there is a chapter there that explains uh, how you would go about measuring some of those activities. And, and you know, the whole matching measurement to objectives and, and then matching the marketing activity that will help you achieve your goals and, and be able to measure that. Um, it, it is, it's not as easy, I guess, as it, as it sounds. The concept of it, of, of how it all works is though. And I think the book really kind of explains how, um, important it is to, to set those objectives, to match that marketing activity. And then there is that, that information there about how you would go about measuring, um, you know, the various, the various activities against your objectives. I love it. The book is How to Do Marketing, a comprehensive guide for small business, a regional Australian edition with Jane's gorgeous face on the front. Great photo, great cover. Love it. Please make sure you get a copy. You can get a copy at Jane's website, dragonflymarketing.com.au or wherever you get fabulous books. If you happen to be in a bookstore and see one, we would love you to tag us. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Miss Bossy Boots podcast. Yes, and if you know anybody out there that needs um, some extra pointers on their marketing, uh, please feel free to share this podcast with them. Absolutely, or if they just you think that they would just enjoy listening to us talk. <laughs> I um I had a meeting with Susan Judd, who we interviewed um, earlier in the podcast. Uh, her business is HR Culture. She said she's doing a lot of travelling at the moment in regional Australia and she said she was just a bit lonely one day as she was driving and so she put one of our episodes on because she just wanted some company and that we were great company. How oh, nice is that? Isn't that gorgeous? I've had similar feedback and we just, we adore hearing that feedback. So please feel free to jump onto any of our social channels and, and give us a hoi. 
Absolutely. We need to talk about the Flamingo Challenge, Jane, because mm. uh, we haven't, we've been slack. Well, the episode hasn't been released yet. I was, I, I have been. That's um, our excuse. That's, I was going to say, I've been using the excuse that the episode hasn't been released. As, as, this, as this one goes to air, it will have been released. But yes. I've been thinking about it. I even bought chairs, Stace, to put outside so that I can be in my flamingo challenge mode. On your chair outside. My chair outside. Just, I'm preparing. Yeah. I've, I've got it ready. I just love that you use the Flamingo Challenge as a great excuse to do some more retail therapy. Like what? You just don't, you, you don't miss a beat. Oh, well, what I should have done was put them as a tax deduction because surely this is Absolutely. all Yes. <laughs> you do need that chair to sit outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love talking to you, Jane. Thank you so much for another <laughs> wonderful episode. Thank you for writing the book. Congratulations. It's fabulous and so are you. And ditto right back at you. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 